You're listening to Guitars and Granola Bars, episode 18. Thank you so much for joining me here on Guitars and Granola Bars, Music Therapist Talk Motherhood. I'm your host, Rachel Ramback, and this podcast is for music therapists and anyone else balancing a passion-fueled career with being a mom. This podcast is sponsored by Music Teachers Helper, the best way to manage your private music lesson studio and or music therapy practice. I've used Music Teachers Helper every single day since 2011, and it is literally one of the best tools I have to keep my private practice running smoothly. Music Teachers Helper is online scheduling and billing software, which you can access from your computer, laptop, tablet, and smartphone that saves you hours every month, enables you to generate reports for taxes, and ensures you never lose track of a payment. Once you add a student, which is super easy, you can choose to automatically send students custom invoices that can be paid by credit card if you make that an option, automatically email lesson and session reminders, late payment notifications, notes, and so much more. So many amazing features, I can't even list them all right here. Every user also receives a free, easy-to-build website template to help market your studio or practice online. Ditch the costly web designer or programmers and have complete control over your website content. With dozens of professional templates available, you'll be sure to find one that best expresses your style. Whether you have 5 or 50 students, Music Teachers Helper works with studios and practices of all sizes. They offer a 30-day no-risk trial where you can test it out to discover how much time you'll be saving. If you use the link in the show notes or go to www.musicteachershelper.com podcast, you'll save 20% off your first month if you choose to sign up after the trial. In this episode, I'm chatting with Allison Hingley. Allison is the owner of Atlantic Music Therapy, LLC, in Clayton, North Carolina, and mother to two amazing daughters, Susan and Samantha. While pregnant and working at the Arizona State Veteran Home, she served as a music therapist and, for a short time, the interim therapeutic programs manager. After the birth of Susie, her family returned to North Carolina. Allison started graduate school online through Colorado State University, gave birth to Samantha, and started her private practice. Having moved cross-country, cross-state, attended graduate school, and mothered two children, Allison is starting to get the hang of extremely fun multitasking. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, Allison. Thank you for having me on the podcast today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So I always like to start with a little bit of background information about you and how you came to a career as a music therapist. So tell us about that. Um, Well, when I was in elementary school, I used to beg my parents for music lessons Uh, But because I'm one of five girls, it was kind of like, oh, well, we'll see maybe later. But I kept pushing and pushing. So 
Um, I've, they finally let me take piano lessons and I got to middle school and all my sisters had done band. So I was like, I want to do band. And my middle school band teacher wouldn't let me take oboe. So eventually, um, in high school, I, I had the opportunity to take oboe lessons from Cheryl Stevenson, who is a huge, um, name in the Southeast region for music therapy. I took private oboe lessons from her and she said one day, yeah, I'm a music therapist. And I was in my junior year of high school and I said, wait, what is that? I've got to know about that. My mom's a nurse. I thought I was going to go into something medical and you just said music and medical at the same time. So she had me come to her. Um, She has a community music school that has music therapy and things like that. It's a nonprofit in Greenville, North Carolina. And I went for a job shadow day in high school. I saw Amanda Ellis, who's also a music therapist in Greenville, do her work and never looked back. Um, I decided to go to ECU for undergrad and loved it. I was with Dr. Michelle Harrison and Dr. Barbara Memory there. And then after, you know, completing all the coursework, we have to do the internship. I wanted to go big and I decided (laughs) to move to Arizona from North Carolina Um, I went to intern at Banner Good Samaritan Medical Center in Phoenix, um, and my supervisors there were amazing and very patient with me while I (laughs) transitioned to Western life. Um, After I finished my internship, my husband and I got married, and I started a job at the Arizona State Veterans Home, so that's kind of my background and how I got into music therapy and my first job. Wow, I have so many comments and questions about about that. Um, so first of all, I want to say that Amanda Ellis is a friend of mine, and she's awesome. So I can totally see she is how, amazing. Oh my gosh, I love her. So I could totally see how um, talking with her and seeing her in action would inspire you to want to head in that career path. Um, and then, what was it that stood out about Arizona to you that that led you to make that big decision? Well, I knew from the very beginning going into music therapy that I was I love medical setting. I love rehab. I love seeing oncology patients and mothers in labor and things like that. Like I love medical settings. I'm very comfortable in hospitals. Uh there's not many procedures that I've seen that I was uncomfortable with. I just really like it. So when I was looking at all the hospital internships available, I kind of had to limit it to where I had somewhere I could live. And my husband's uncle actually lives in Phoenix or lived in Phoenix at the time. And my husband said, I, we looked at each other our senior year of college and he said, I don't think I want to go straight into teaching. I think I want to go to grad school for a performance. And I said, cool, I think I'm moving to Arizona. And he said, great, I'm applying at Arizona State with Sam Palapian, who's a big name in tuba. So my husband went to Arizona State and got an apartment. I went to the hospital and I lived with his uncle and it was awesome that we just both ended up at the same place. Wow. That ended up working out perfectly. And that was going to be my next question actually was whether or not you had met your husband before you had made that move or if he had made that move with you. So how how cool. I met my husband when I was four and (gasps) (laughs) yeah. 
Yeah, oh, wow. his family is from Philly, and my family's from outside of Boston. But both of our dads were Marines, so we ended up in Eastern North Carolina at Cherry Point. It's a Marine Air Base, and we went to school together. And unlike most military families. Both of our dads kind of landed us in the town where we grew up, and then they would get deployed or go on um, solo tours to Japan or whatever, and our families would stay in town. And actually, when we were very young, like four years old, his mom would watch me and all of my sisters, and then sometimes my mom would watch him and his brother and his two sisters. So it was usually nine kids at a time. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh, what a fun backstory. That's so neat. Thank you. Yeah. So at what point did you start dating him? Our junior year of high school. Okay. And I tried to get him to break up with me when we went to college so that he wouldn't feel like he had to stay tied down. Um, But he was not interested in that and we never broke up. We just, once we started dating our junior year of high school, we were always together. That's amazing. And so cool that I'm sure your families were so close because of your history together. Yeah. Yeah. Neat. Yeah, they were definitely fond of the relationship. (laughs) I'm sure they were thrilled about it. Very, very cool. So let's jump back to um, after you finished your internship and you decided to stay in Arizona. Take us forward from that point. Well, what happened was when I finished my internship, I interviewed with a lot of different music therapy providers for – excuse me, children. And a lot of them kind of had music, a music therapy office, but they, it wasn't a clinic space. They weren't seeing kids there. They were seeing them in home or in the schools. And a couple of drawbacks to that was that I didn't want to work really with children. I've never been drawn to working with children. Um, and I wanted to have my own children. So I knew once I had my own children, I wouldn't want to work with kids Mm because I'd be with mine all day. But um, I also didn't want to be driving all over Maricopa County, which isn't exactly the safest place on earth. And uh, I just, I'm not really comfortable. I wasn't comfortable at the time going in home. Um, So after much debating and with myself about what I wanted to do, I ended up working at a car company um, in their call center (laughs) and I did internet sales and They hired me because I sold music therapy to them in my interview so well. They knew that I could sell cars. Was that a hard transition (laughs) for you to have just spent all of this time and energy completing this internship and then completely change paths? It was. I, when I would go into work, a little piece of me died every day. And it was just really hard. It was so hard. Um, I've sat in a cubicle. I did internet sales, so I was on a dialer. And um, if you've ever heard Tim Ringold's story, mm-hmm. I actually had a private coaching session with him. We worked in very similar settings. Both of us were in the Valley of Phoenix, oh, working in call centers, and it was very miserable. So I had I had a similar experience to him, where I just. I used to go out at lunchtime and sit in the sun, even though it was so boiling hot, just to see the light of day because otherwise I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was hard, but I I knew that working with children wasn't right for me. And I knew that I I wasn't willing to give myself as a therapist to people who weren't going to get the best of me. So you were kind of just so, biding your time until you found the yes. right fit. Yes. And I actually, before I got that job, I interviewed 
um, at the Arizona State Veteran Home. But they ended up taking a girl in the rec therapy department because it was a rec therapy job who worked there as the manager previously. So that's who they decided to go with in the interviews. And when I talked to my future boss after the interview, I said, is there anything that I could have done differently? Did you have any suggestions? And she said, no, your interview was great. We just went with the girl who's worked here before and has years of experience. So it was kind of like, all right, well then I'm on the right path. I'm not way off base. This is still the field for me. I just need to wait until the right job opens up. Later, while I was working at the car company, that my boss, my future boss, called me and said, we had somebody who's leaving and we want you to apply for the job. And that's how I got a second interview and eventually the job. So how long were you at the car company total? Probably three months. Okay. So not too long. Yes. No. But within the first 30 days, I was you know, redesigning the training programs and I had trained employees already. It was just not, it wasn't challenging work for me. Yeah. I can imagine it was a little bit soul sucking to be in that type of environment. Soul sucking was definitely the word for it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, wow. But you know what? I really do admire the fact that you kind of stuck to your guns and waited for that right job, job opportunity to come along. I feel like that's something that a lot of music therapists don't do, especially with there not being, you know, usually a plethora of jobs available right away. Um, And so a lot of us just kind of jump into whatever's first available, even if it's not the best fit. So I think that's really cool that you waited. And and I am... Go ahead. I'm a big advocate of... I'm sorry. I'm a big advocate of people really deciding what it is that they want and not settling for less. I'm not saying that working with children is less than working. um, You know, I'm a neurologic music therapy trained uh, therapist and I love that approach. I don't want to work with children. I know that about myself. So I'm not going to use my time right now to go do something like that. I'll, I have the luxury of being able to wait because my husband's a teacher. So yeah, and I, I wish that for everybody. Yeah, and it's important to be able to admit that to ourselves because I think that as music therapists, having the ability to go in and work with a multitude of populations doesn't necessarily mean that all of those populations are the right fit for us. So to know that exactly. about yourself, I think that's great. So take us forward. Thank you. I agree 100%. Absolutely. So take us forward from there. Once you you had your second interview for the job and obviously that ended up working out, um, how did things go after that? Um, Well, I got hired in a rec therapy position, which was fine. That's kind of how the VA works. There's rec therapy positions, but music therapists are qualified for them. So I got to work on a 50-bed unit. Um, with veterans with different uh, needs. Some of them had physical needs. Some of them were there for memory care. Eventually, it was moved to a split unit. So it was 25 beds of memory care and 25 beds of short-term rehab for people who were being discharged from the hospital before they were going to more permanent um, nursing care or being discharged home. So they were receiving short-term therapy in the veterans' home, which was nice. I liked having the variety of people. Um, In September of that year, I got pregnant 
And I was so happy because my husband and I got married in January and that whole time we were trying to have a baby. So in September when I, I got pregnant, I found out in October and it was just really happy times for us. Oh, that's exciting. Um, yeah, it was great. Um, and I also, my sister told us that she was pregnant two weeks before I found <gasps> out that I was pregnant. So we went through, it was the first grandchildren in my family. We went through our whole pregnancies together. It was great. Oh, that's so much fun. Yes. So uh, she lived in Texas at the time and I lived in Arizona and both of our, our family was all still in North Carolina. So it was really hard for us being away from our family. And I think that being able to connect on that and being pregnant at the same time, it's brought the two of us really close together. Yeah, I can imagine. Oh, how fun. Well, well, it turns out my boss was also pregnant and she, (laughs) her baby was due I believe in March of that year. So she um, pulled me aside one day and said, you know, I'm going to have to go on maternity leave, but I'm planning on coming back after work. Her husband was a stay-at-home dad, so um, she knew that she'd be able to come back and that her husband would be able to help her with all of that. So she asked me if I could cover being the therapeutic programs manager just for the short time while she was on maternity leave. And... (laughs) Then I talked to her about, well, I'm also pregnant, so you might have to come back from your maternity leave like a week early, and she said that would be fine. So it all worked out that she went on maternity leave. I was six months pregnant. It it was really great. I ended up being able to take more of a step back from hands-on therapy things and kind of oversee the department a little bit better. Um, And then that way, I wasn't on my feet so much. I wasn't you know, bending and twisting and pulling as much as I had been mm-hmm. just when things were getting complicated right? <laughs> with the pregnancy. Perfect timing. Yes. It was definitely a really good plan. Yeah. Uh, at the end, of, at the end of my pregnancy, I ended up getting, um, preeclampsia mm. and I had to be induced. So I had to leave work and go be induced, but I got a baby out of it. So it was totally worth it. <laughs> Definitely. And what at what point in your pregnancy were you induced? I was 37 weeks, which oh. is why they induced me because they were like, well, you're you're technically full term. We right. can just go ahead and induce you. Knowing what I know now and knowing what my blood pressure and everything was then, I may have taken some time, but it seemed very scary and I was away from family and it was my first baby. So I just decided yeah, let's go ahead and do this and make sure everybody's healthy. I didn't want there to be any complications when basically me and my husband were out there with just his uncle. Right. Were you having symptoms of the preeclampsia that were um, getting in the way of of your health and of your job? Yeah. I didn't realize I was having them. I am a cardiac patient anyways. I have a history of AFib and um, wicked palpitations and so I was just kind of feeling more of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I didn't realize that it was pregnancy related. But um, as the temperature was getting higher in Phoenix, my blood pressure started to rise too and just getting worn out from work. And um, Memorial Day weekend happened and at the veterans home, that was a huge deal. The governor was supposed to come and all this stuff. We had lots of plans and I was overseeing everything. So it was a lot of stress from work. And there wasn't a lot of downtime when I went home. 
um, cause I had the manager phone and things like that. People were calling for help with planning and carrying out plans, but it all worked out in the end. And after, after I had my daughter, Susie, we, my husband had been interviewing for teaching jobs in North Carolina. Cause as I was about to go into labor, he was finishing up grad school. <laughs> Oh my goodness. We we like to do things all really rushed. Apparently and so. <laughs> really big life changes all at the same time. Mm-hmm. So he was finishing grad school. I was having a baby. He was applying for jobs across the country. And he interviewed for a job just before Susie was born. And she was born on a Sunday and we went home on a Tuesday. And he got the job offer on Wednesday. So a, a big week for your family. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I just remember him getting the phone call and the guy was calling from Eastern Time Zone and we were in Arizona. So he ended up calling first thing that morning for him, but it was like four in the morning for us. Oh my gosh. I was like, please, please don't let it be a family member. They will be in so much trouble if they wake up this baby. Right. So you <laughs> you had known ahead of time that that the plans were to hopefully be moving to North Carolina for your husband's yes. career. We we were kind of in the air. My husband did a scholarship program in North Carolina. They had a teaching fellows program. So if he taught, I mean, if he went to school for four years and finished his degree and then he taught in the state of North Carolina for four years, they covered his tuition. Oh, that's a um, nice deal. But you have, yeah, it's a sweet deal, but they, end, they just ended the program. They're not doing it anymore. It's kind of sad, mm. but I'm glad that he made the cut. No kidding. Um, so he he taught he went to school for four years and he had seven years to pay it back. Um, so we were in Arizona for two years. We had another year of leeway before he had really had to get a job. So the the conversation at that time when I was having Susie and he was finishing up grad school was if it doesn't work out for you to get a job this year, I'll go back to work and you can be a stay at home dad for a year. Okay. Right. And and did you have a preference as far as how things were to shake out? Yeah, I did. When I was working, I loved working at the veterans home. I loved the job so much. And the the people that I worked with in the department and in the home, it was just an amazing work environment. So I was kind of hoping he wouldn't get a job. Um, I I really wanted to go back to work more than I wanted to be back in North Carolina. But after I had Susie and I was holding her and I thought about leaving her, I was really glad he got the job. <laughs> yeah, I just that, didn't that want always, to leave her. Yeah, having that baby in your arms kind of changes things, doesn't it? Yes, it does. That's why every time I talk to people, a lot of my friends have had babies since I did and my sisters have had babies since I did. And I always say, wait, you get 12 weeks to decide, wait to make a decision about whether or not you're going back to work. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely hard and challenging. Yes. Mm-hmm. So how soon after Susie was born did you return to North Carolina? <laughs> she was two and a half weeks old <gasps> when we pulled out of Phoenix in a U-Haul. No. Yes. So we pulled out a, a Phoenix in a U-Haul pulling our car behind us, which is how we got out there. And we just had a couple more things because now we had a baby. Sure. And we stopped in Texas to see my new niece 
who was born five weeks before my niece, I mean my daughter. Uh-huh. So they're five weeks apart when they were supposed to be two weeks apart, but that's okay. Both were born earlier than we planned. And then we drove the rest of the way to North Carolina and we had to stay at my parents' house for a month because we were looking for a place to live where his new job was. So while we were house hunting and everything like that, we stayed with them. Um, my husband's job was at a middle school in the middle of nowhere in northeastern North Carolina. I have never seen so many farms in my life. <laughs> it was a good experience for him to go ahead and get a couple of years of his teaching fellows out of the way. Um, but I I did the NMT training when I was in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And I just loved, loved Colorado State. I loved the professors there. And they just had so much to offer. So I decided that after I was done with the pregnancy, whatever happened, I was going to try their online master's program. Okay. So when we moved back to North Carolina and my husband started teaching, um, I <laughs> put in my application that fall. His first semester of teaching, I put in my application and I was accepted. So his second year of teaching, I started grad school and I stayed at home with Susie. Just before I started school, I found out I was pregnant again. <gasps> no. Oh my gosh. Yes. So did you did so- <laughs> you end up going going forward with the program? I absolutely did. <sighs> So I'm a little bit crazy. I started, um, I found out in July that I was pregnant again. I started school in August. My daughter, my second daughter, Sammy, Samantha, was due in March. And so I was really hoping she would be born a week or two early, like 38 weeks, still full term, Mm -hmm. but so that she would be born on my spring break. Ah. She was not. She was a day late. And I had her in the middle of a semester And I just, I can totally say with pride, I didn't even turn in a late assignment that semester and I got A's. How did you make that happen? (laughs) I have no idea. Oh my gosh. I have no idea. I don't know that I actually slept that semester at all. I'm thinking probably not. Because how old was, how old was Susie at this point? Susie was 22 months old when she was born. So not even two yet. Okay. Well. Yep. And then. Oh. Okay, keep going. <laughs> so that summer, I I would have preferred to take off, but um, the way that the degree program works, it either takes two or three years, depending on if you do the summer or not. So I went ahead and did the summer classes. Um, one of the classes that I was supposed to take was a class where you go to Colorado for a four-day intensive um, part of the course, and then there's class around that for three weeks. But I was not able to go because I just had Sammy and I wasn't able to leave her. Again, I just couldn't imagine being away from this new baby. Sure. Um, so I didn't – I did not take that class. But I I ended up – I'm going to take it this summer and it's the last class that I have to take and I'll have my master's degree. Well, I just have to tell you, I am 38 weeks pregnant right now and – I oh and I've been nervous about, you know, making things work and keeping my online business going and I've got a lot of big things happening with my private practice and, you know, having two kids is a little bit overwhelming, but if you can do a master's program and be raising a daughter and a newborn at the same time, I feel like I can, you know, <laughs> do what do the things do that I'm doing. Yeah. So that's that's You know very what inspiring. I can say? 
What's that? Have, have people been telling you that um, you'll be more lax on the first on the second baby than you were with the first? Oh yes, I hear that like every day. Okay, I have to tell you that I am not more lax on the second baby than I was with the first, except for on one thing, and you're going to think it's ridiculous. Okay, I cloth diaper. I cloth diaper, and with my with my daughter um, Susie, I used to match her diaper covers to what she was wearing. I don't do that with Sammy, <sighs> but I, I, that's it. That's the only thing that I've changed. So I'm just saying, like it, the second kid for me has been she's a lot different than Susie was, mm-hmm. but I feel so much better able to handle it because I know I know what is going to come up. Right, right. You know, you know what teething is like. You know what it's like to be up in the middle of the night with a hungry baby, things like that. So you'll be, you're going to be able to do it. It's going to be awesome. Well, thank you for that encouragement. And I, I agree. I think that one of the hardest things about brand new motherhood is that you're just so unprepared. And no matter what people tell you, and no matter what your books you read, right, or what books you read, or your preconceived notions of what things will be like, you just don't know until you're in it. And so having been through that experience before, now I feel like, okay, I, I'm not going to be completely blindsided by these things. Yes, they may be challenging, but I have some tools in my toolbox to be able to handle them. Yes. Hopefully. It's, yes, you're going to be just fine. Oh. I remember thinking with Susie, she woke up one night in the middle of the night before we even left Arizona just screaming. And I thought, this isn't normal. There's something wrong with her. She's hurt. I have to take her to the hospital. But I just tried to like calmly deal with her crying and she ended up settling down. With Sammy, she would wake up in the middle of the night screaming and I'd be like, she's all right. She'll go back to sleep. Uh-huh. Yeah. I foresee a lot of that in my future. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow well well thank you for that inspiration and those words of encouragement that's that's very yeah, helpful it's gonna be good thank you and are you having a daughter I am yes so I have Yay. a son so you'll have one of each yes yes Yay. very excited so what did things look like for you after so okay you're you're just now working on completing your um your master's program you said. Right. So I finished um, all of my coursework last week for my final semester, full semester. I have the one class that I'll take in July and I'll be done. Awesome. Um, okay. I, for my independent project in grad school, I was very fortunate. Um, I didn't do a thesis because I wasn't on campus. If I had been on campus, I would have definitely done a thesis because Dr. Tell and Dr. Lagasse and everybody there would have been awesome to do research with them. But being so far away, I did the independent project, and my independent project was starting my business. Um, I went through all of the researching how everything works, all the different structures, and gathered all of the resources that I could, made hefty decisions, and put everything down on paper so that I was legally started. I made my marketing materials and things like that, and that everything that I did to start my business, I turned in, and that I got my independent study grade on that. That is such an amazing opportunity for you. I mean, it's sort of like killing two birds with one stone. 
Exactly. And it was so good because Dr. Lagasse, who was my advisor for that, also has her own private practice. Mm -hmm. So she had been through it before. I got a little bit of personal guidance on that. And I had the time to really sit down and look at what do I want for my future business and really think about what is it that I can see working for my family. And can you share some of that with us? So my husband, being a teacher, uh, works from 7 to 3. He usually walks in the door at 3.30, mm-hmm. um, which is amazing. Yeah. I plan to um, hopefully soon be seeing patients in the afternoons and evenings and on Saturdays if it overflows into that. But I, we decided that I'm just not going to work on Sundays so that our family can go to church and have a relaxing day and then kind of use the evening to prepare for the next week. Um, I, I have already gotten referrals for my business um, for people that I'm not interested in working with. I've had behavioral health referrals, children. I don't uh, – pediatric patients have been referred to me and I'm – I am in a very good position right now where I can say I'm not seeing these kind of patients. And I've been fortunate that while we were living in Northeast um, North Carolina, I could not have um, started a business. But my husband and I, when Sammy was born, that was in March, in June, we picked up and moved to Raleigh. Oh. and So she was, was that, three months old. Was that for your husband's job? My husband ended up getting an amazing opportunity. He's a he's a teacher at a much larger school. His band program is the size of our high school band program wow. when we were growing up. So he's got a lot of students and the area is much better, more conducive to music therapy for sure for me. That's wonderful. It, yeah, it's been great. And our kids are going to have a lot more opportunity in this area because Raleigh's here and there's just so much more for children in this area. So, um, I started my business and I, right now what I'm kind of working on is I'm, I'm getting the ball rolling on a few leads that I've had, but I also started a group for North Carolina music therapists, um, triangle music therapists. So in the Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill area. And it's just a Facebook group right now. We're actually going to brunch on Saturday. I'm very excited about that. Um, but what, I'm hoping it will end up being is all of these independent music therapists who either work in facilities and are employees of those facilities or a bunch of there's a bunch of us in private practice who see the gamut of patients. Um, I'm hoping that we can all kind of band together and become a referral network for each other so that we can kind of clear our schedules of the patients that maybe we're not 100% comfortable working with and make room for the people that we really feel called to serve. That is such a great idea. And how many music therapists at this point are part of that group? Um, I know for sure solid um, there's a music therapist who owns a practice. She's in there. Um, there's me and another girl who lives in Clayton, which is outside of Raleigh and a woman who lives in Chapel Hill. Um, I've also been able to refer to another person who lives in Durham and there's a bunch of independent people that I haven't even met that hopefully I'll meet them on Saturday. Um, and I don't know if they're working in facilities or if they're just students or what the situation is there, but a bunch of people have joined the group on Facebook, I think we're up to 50 people who have oh joined it on Facebook. That's awesome. Yeah, I've, I, and I've, 
I've heard a few, a few music therapists who are in the area who aren't currently practicing. They're at home with their kids. And I'm really hoping to reach out to those women also so that they feel like they can stay in the loop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you feel yeah. like it was like it was hard to stay in the loop while you were at home and while you were working on your master's program online? Yes, definitely. And that's why I've been so grateful for people like you, Kat Fulton, people with all the blogs and the podcasts and everything so that I could read and stay up with what's going on around the country. It's been amazing to have the internet lay everything out there for me. Oh my gosh. I think you are absolutely right about that. I think back to you know, if I had been going through new motherhood and maternity leave and all of these things before all of these resources had become available and before there was really this online network of music therapists, and I can't imagine how alone I would have felt. So I completely agree with you there. Yes. Yeah. So so you said that you are hoping to work afternoons and evenings once you're up and running with your practice. Um, do you feel like that's going to be a big transition for you going from being home with your girls to, to spending those hours working? I think it's going to be. I've actually been thinking a lot about this and talking with my husband and sister about it. My sister who had the baby at the same time as me is kind of like my sounding board for a lot of therapy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been talking to them about it that I I always think, oh, well, it'll be fine. I'm leaving them with my husband. I don't have to worry about anything. They'll be at home with him and it'll be great. But the truth is when you start thinking about, oh, I'll be gone at dinner time and, oh, well, they'll get bath time without me and, and my husband will put them to bed at night and I'll just come home and they'll be asleep. That's really hard to think about missing that every day. Yeah, and so coming from somebody that does that, because that's sort of how our schedule works. Um, my husband works a little bit later because he's not a teacher, but um, but we do we don't have the ability to have dinner together because I'm still at work, and then usually I come home right at the tail end of you know bath time and bedtime. So it's challenging, but having that daytime together especially in the first couple of years, I felt like has been really amazing because we have that that one-on-one time together. And it's worked out really well for me and for our family. So I'm sure that the same will be true for you. And I hope so. It will. It will. And, you know, obviously it's a big adjustment, but I think, um, you know, it'll be exciting for you to be able to get back into the swing of of working and running your business and it'll be an exciting time. Yes. Thank you. I have been hoping to hear from people who do similar things where you kind of trade off. Um, I know that you, I know that you've said that you put your son in daycare for a few hours a week. Yeah. It right? actually goes three days a week and it has been wonderful as, as hard as it was at the beginning. It has been really wonderful for him to be able to have that social interaction it's been wonderful for me to have that extra time to work on my business because that first 18 months, I was home with him all day pretty much until I had to leave to see clients. So I was really kind of lacking in time to to prepare for 
sessions mm-hmm. and to do the administrative side, which you know is a very big part of running your business. Yes. So it's it's definitely been um, a, a lifesaver having having that those daycare days. But then I feel like they make the days that we're home together that much more special. That's cool. I've been thinking a lot about how the scheduling would work. And when we were kids, me and my sisters, my sisters and I, um, we stayed at home and my mom would work the three to 11 shift at the hospital. She was a nurse. Mm -hmm. So we would go to school and my dad would work. And when we got home, there was a sitter for a couple of hours and she would work from three to 11. And I told my husband, I'm kind of going to work the shift that my mom did because I'll come home after I do therapy and hopefully have the time to sit down when everybody else has gone to bed and do the administrative side of it so that maybe my weekends aren't booked with having to to do that. Yes. I'm hoping that I can stay up those couple of hours and get that work done. I would highly recommend that. And and if you're not a night owl, maybe something to consider is waking up early. And that's what I've been doing. I actually wrote a blog post about this last month, but I've been I read getting, that. Oh, did you? Okay, good. Well, yeah, I, I did. Um, yeah. I've been waking up at five every day and even now on the weekends sometimes too, just because I enjoy those quiet hours in the morning so much. But I, my brain is just so much more functional in the early morning than after work when I've been working with clients all day and I've been home with my son and I'm just exhausted at that point. So um, that might be something to consider too. But either way, it's a good alternative to spending those weekend hours when you could otherwise be spending that time with your family. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, that's exciting. So when do you um, plan to really go full force into your private practice? Well, I'm hoping to start up now. I have a couple of really good leads on um, people People weren't able to fulfill contracts, um, neuro contracts, and they've sent their contacts at those facilities over to me, and I'm hoping to contact them shortly um, and maybe get something going there. And I am going to be doing presentations in the community about my business so that people are aware um, of who we are, my company, and what services are available to them so that they can contact us private private people, individual patients. Mm-hmm. So do you So see- that's going to that's happening this summer. Oh, okay. So pretty soon. Yes. Well, good luck with Now that I'm out of school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and that has to feel like such an accomplishment to have gotten all that coursework done and to have been so successful with it and to have basically raised a family in that time as well. Yeah, it hasn't quite hit me yet, but I can see where Eventually, my kids are going to ask me about this period in my life. They're going to ask me about when they were young. And I'm going to be able to tell them that I went ahead and got it out of the way while you guys were little so that when you were older and you really remembered, we could spend quality time together and I wouldn't be distracted by what I wanted to do with my life. Yeah, I think that's really special. And I think it's also one of those things where you'll look back and you'll say, oh my gosh, how did I do that? How did I make that work? (laughs) Yeah, I'm still feeling that way. (laughs) I'm sure you are. I'm sure you are. And I'm sure it'll be a huge relief once everything is all said and done and you're able to really jump into your business and and watch it grow. 
Very much hope so. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, Allison, do you have any favorite products or books or resources that are related to either music therapy or motherhood that you feel like you can't live without? Um, as far as music therapy goes, I would definitely recommend if you're interested in a neurologic approach, if you have heard about it and you don't know much about it, check out Dr. Tout's Handbook of Neurologic Music Therapy. He um, published it. It was published, I think, last fall, so just recently. And I've read it cover to cover. It was amazing. Um, it'll help clarify how music is used in sessions and um, just definitely adds a lot of structure to music therapy approach for me personally. So if you haven't checked out Neurologic Music Therapy, consider looking into that book. And then resources as a mom, I've got to tell you, I don't know how people live before Pinterest. And if you're not, if you are a mom and you're not on Pinterest, you are missing out big time. Get on Pinterest. Um, and then as far as like, I'm kind of getting into researching food and health and things like that. And Pinterest has been very helpful for that. But look at this website. It's 100daysofrealfood.com. The, the lady who is behind all of it, lives in Charlotte, North Carolina, and she's all about eating whole natural foods. And it's definitely made big changes for my family. Um, and we're eating much healthier now and my kids are very healthy and I'm very grateful for that. And I wish that level of health for everybody. So check out 100 Days of Real Food, Pinterest salads in a jar and freezer meals and things like that because we're so busy as music therapists. You've got to take care of yourself. You've got to take care of your family. Get as much information as you can and run with it. That's fabulous. I will definitely be checking that website out because I'm always looking for new information about food and, and eating, especially for my toddler. So that's excellent yes. to know. Awesome. Well, Allison, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and sharing your story with us. And thank you for having me. Luck. Oh my gosh. Yeah. My pleasure. I can't wait to hear how your business goes and how um, things just continue to grow and evolve for you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to send Allison a message, you can contact her via email, AtlanticMusicTherapyLLC at gmail.com. Would you like to be a guest on the show? Let me know. Get in touch and find the show notes for this episode at guitarsandgranolabars.com. And if you feel so inclined, please leave a review on iTunes. I'll talk to you again next week.